0: Chapter thirteen, part three of the Nightland by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Nightland, chapter thirteen, Homeward by the Shore, part three. Now we went forward then upon our journey, and alway the maid to walk onward from me, but yet to have no other impudence, neither to sing. And I to go kindly whither but yet to think that she did lack somewhat to know that I did be truly her master, and I to wonder a little whether she did know proper that my gentleness with her did be not of weakness, but born of understanding and love, and the more proof that I did be fit to possess and to guide her. And truly this was the thought of a young man, yet lacking not of reason in the bottom part, though mayhap to be something clumsy-seeming unto the mind of a maid, and to be very human to my ears, and you to have been likewise, if that you have tried always with a dear one, and she to be yet over wilful, so that you to wonder whether she did truly know how you did understand. And surely a maid doth know much that doth be in the heart of a man, if that she be true woman in her own secret heart, and oft she doth know more of her man than her man doth wot of himself, and to go her own diverse ways that she search out and bring forth and waken all that is in the inward being of the man that she doth love. Yet when that she have stirred you in the deeps that you scarce to know, she to be all fearful, and in the same moment to have no fear and to be in rebellion and in the same moment to be most strange humble, and all to be born of love and nature in action upon nature. And more than this how shall I have learning of the heart to tell you, for in verity there doth be much in these few lines if that you know to read? And surely you to know or to learn, but if neither, then have you gone short of joy and the true inwardness of life. Now this way I did be, as I have told, and the maid to be quietly naughty in perverseness, as also I have set out, yet to have a strict mind to her duties, and to go now wondrous sedate upon the journey yet alway apart. And likewise when that the sixth hour did come, and we to our halt as ever, she to be very speedy and nice that the water and the tablets be ready for me, but yet to have no word, neither to eat by me but again a little apart, and not to share the water, but to make a brewing to herself when that I had done. And likewise the maid held not up her tablets to be kissed, as alway, but eat them quiet and meditative, and with little nibblings, as that she did ponder upon other matters, or mayhap to be not hungry. And these things I saw as we eat and drank in a silence and I to look at the maid, somewise sad in the heart, and something stirred, and I to say to myself wisely, yet as a young man, that she did not yet be taught sufficient that I was her master, and this you to perceive. And she never to seem to look at me, but to be quiet and demure, and to have her eyelids something down upon her eyes. Now presently, as I thought upon the matter, I saw that I do well that I take no heed of mine own, but to let her to come to a natural end of this naughtiness, that did be, in the same time, both pretty and a little foolish, so that in half I condemned it and in half I was stirred, and alway I loved the maid very dear and had a good understanding, and there to be also an interest in my heart at this new side that she did be showing and also she to stir me odd wiles unto masterfulness, and so you to know pretty well how it did be with me in the matter. Now surely I found this plan, that I attend not to the maid, to have something of success, for I knew presently that she did look upward at me slyly from under her pretty eyelashes, and after to be demure in a moment, and this to go forward for a while, yet I to show no heed and in a while I saw that she gave attention to her garments in the way of nattiness, and afterward she took down her hair, and made it up then very loose and pretty upon her head, so that she did be very lovely, and to tempt mine eyes that they look alway the at her. But indeed I did make as that I had no heed that the maid did shape her hair different upon her head. And she very soon then to speak, and to have the lesser gear together, and to make that she attract me but truly I was very nice with her, yet to keep her now a little off from me in the spirit, and so to teach her thatwise that she was somewhat of a dear naughty maid, but also, as I do think, I was this way because that in part I would tease her, in great love of her prettiness and her makings up to me, and so maybe even that I make her to be the more defying of me. And this to be that I also lacked somewhat of reason for I did strangely that I think that she need to be whipped and in the same time that I go to make her the more deserving of the same. Yet this to be the truth as I know it, and surely to be the natural waywardness of love. But yet there did be also in the backward part of my wisdom an intent that I be wise and careful with mine own, and I surely to have no full realizings that I did be like to set her further unto perverseness than yet she did be. Now after that I had shown well that I lacked to heed the maid, I found that I did be looking oft at her, and she to be so dear and pretty and to be all hushed, that truly I could not bear that I be longer silent to her advancements. And I ceased then from pretending, and would have had her into mine arms, but she to be now in sweet dignity, and to keep me off with very sober graces and because of this I to feel some way that I did be some way in blame, and surely, now that I consider it, I can see that I was something acted upon, even as had been the maid, and so we two to be, and a most human pair, as you to say. And somewhat both alack, but indeed we did be very wholesome, and in utter love each of the other and, mayhap, both then to perceive something of the sweet foolishness within us that did be as yeast a work in us, for I thought that Nanny did smile a little to herself. But surely this clear seeing to be but for an odd time, and afterward we each again to earnestness in our way with the other, but alway, even when we did make to show indifference, we to be something troubled inwardly with sweet flashings of our bewildered natures. Now though I have shown you that I to know that I did not be utter free of this most strange and natural foolishness, yet you to perceive that I tell this only that I have utter truth of all things that did happen. For in verity, because that I was something subtly touched this way at Wiles, yet was this no full excusing of the maid, though in the same moment you to perceive that there did be only the half of me to think that she did need to be excused. For, in truth, mine understanding went alway in the main with the workings of her nature, and had a natural sympathy with her dear whimsies, but always, as you to know, I to be stirred constant in my manhood by her naughty defyings, and to be troubled in my natural sense when that her whimsies made her to act that she be likely to come unto aught of harm. And surely now you to see all the way of my heart, and to have understanding in things that do follow and alway you shall mind that I did love her utter, and to crave alway that I be a shield unto her. Though truly there doth be, mayhap, somewhat in me that doth act to make me a little stern-seeming in my love, but yet not oft so, as you do know, that have gone with me in all my tellings. Now we went then upon our journey, and the maid to be somewhat before me, and offward to the side upon my right and to have no speech with me but to make a good pace, and to be very dear and graceful as she went. And now we did pass this thing of strangeness and now that, and this I did point out to her, and made some telling concerning the same having the memory of mine outward way, and how that I did see these things then, when that I was all in suffering of so lonesome a doubt. And she to hark alway very intent and to move her head nice and intelligent, and to show that she heard me. And once I saw that she looked sudden at me with a dear light in her eyes, but this to be done in a moment and she to be again silent seeming and in her new perversity of dignity. And surely she did seem so utter sweet in this new way of naughtiness, but yet I did think, odd whiles that I should like to shake her into dear humbleness and her usual way and in the twelfth hour we made halt again and had our food and our drink, and the maid to serve me very clever and quiet, as that I did be her lord and she an hushed slave. And I saw that she made a constant and naughty mock upon me, and truly as I did half think she to need that she be in care that I not treat her sternly, as shall a slave master, and to give her that which she did ask for so mute and impudent but alway she did stir me mightily to have her to mine arms and to love her very dear. And presently we did be again to our way, and to be yet silent, so that I scarce knew whether to have patience with mine own, or whether that I take her and speak seriously with her to cease this play, which did begin a little to dispirit me somewhat strangely. And in the end I went over to her as we did walk and I put mine arm about her, and she to yield to me without word, and to hark very quiet to my speech of reasoning and gentle sayings, and to hide whether she did be stirred inwardly or not, though indeed my spirit to know that her spirit did never be afar off from mine in all deep matters, but only this thing to be to the top, and to set somewhat between us that did be both a sweetness and a trouble. And alway, as I talked with the maid, I saw that she did make naughtily to act as that I did be a slave-master, and she but a chattel to me, for she to be hushed before me, and neither to yield her slender body willing to mine arm, nor to resist me. But only to be still, as that she had no saying in this matter, and as that I was like to beat her at my pleasure, or to withhold my hand all as might chance to be my desire. And this I perceived was the shaping of her actions, so that all her dumbness and her quiet obedience did be but a way to say this thing to me, and all to have come from her love of me, and that she did be shaken in her nature by my manhood, and so to be but a new form of her naughtiness, that did have this change when that I whipped her. And all this you to perceive that have gone with me. And I saw that she would not cease from this perverseness, but made a dumb and naughty and hidden mock upon me, very dainty and constant, and scarce to be truly perceived save by the inward sense. And truly I grew something angered afresh, and to feel that she did need that she be shaken so stern that she come unto the reality that I did be her man and natural master, yet alway in love and surely I loosed her then and went off apace to her side, and we again to go forward thiswise, yet she soon to have a greater distance between us, which she made very quiet and natural, but indeed I saw what she did. Now about the fourteenth hour of that journeying I saw before us in the far distance the rock upon which did be the olden flying-ship, that you shall remember. And presently, as we came more nigh, I looked off to mine own and saw that she did be staring that way and to be in wonder, yet to say naught to me. And soon, as we came very close, I did want that I tell her about the ship, and of mine adventuring there and of the wonder of that olden ship set there through eternity. But in the first I hesitated, as you shall think, because of her way, but truly my heart knew that her heart did be proper unto me and moreover I should be small in my nature if that I let any pettiness put a silence upon me, though in verity if that the maid had not been inwardly loving to me I had been that I had told her no word, and this to be very natural whether it be of smallness or not. And when that we were come beside the great uprising rock I made halt, and the maid to halt with me. And I showed her how that the thing upon the rock did be an olden flying ship from the mighty pyramid. And in the first she asked no questions, but did be quiet and but to show with little noddings that she did be greatly interest. And I to show to her how this olden ship did be there mayhap an hundred thousand years, and to have been there as it did seem to us that were of that age since the beginnings of the world though in verity our two spirits did know that the beginnings of that age did be truly the ending of this, as you also to know. And much I told mine own, and afterward concerning the two humped men that did come after me, and she alway to be silent, until that I spoke of the fight, but then to come round upon me very swift and with a dear light in her eyes, and had asked, before she did what, whether they did hurt me. And surely this to have been the first thing of her old and sweet naturalness that she did say for a great while, and I to be so in delight that I had her into mine arms and kissed her very loving all in a moment, and she to submit with a nice gladness and to nestle unto me, and all unwitting that she did be gone from her waywardness. Yet in verity she did be a naughty maid, for she minded in an instant that she did forget her pose unto me. And lo, her lips did be no more to search unto mine, but to be as that they did be kissed only of my will, and she to have no more live nestling unto me, but only to be quiet in mine arms. And I looked into her face and her lids to be down somewhat over her pretty eyes, and she did look very hushed and demure, so that truly I knew not whether to shake her or again to kiss her. But in the end I loosed her and made her then that we go forward. Yet, indeed, she did rather stay a while to hark further concerning the olden ship and of mine adventurings, but she did then to mind that she obey as a slave shall obey, and truly I did punish her, in that I told her no more, but went forward at a good pace and had some natural wonder how that I deal with such a maid if that I spare to shake her and surely I thought then again that I leave her be, and so to have her presently again to her old and natural way. Now in a while I lifted the maid into mine arms, that I carry her as ever, through the last part of each journey, and so to have her never overtired for the morrow, and she for a moment to resist, but instantly to give unto me, and to lie quiet in mine arms, as that she had no saying in aught that did be done but must alway obey. And indeed you to see how dearly perverse she did be." And I went on then through four hours from that time, and looked oft upon every side, and walked quietly, for truly we were come now into a part of the country where I did feel that there might be near some of the humped men and I saw nowhere anything to put me in dread. And alway, as we journeyed, there did seem a great stillness in all the country near about, and afar off the low mutter of the great fire-hills in this place and that, and a drowse as of life and warmth about us, and everywhere the air very rich and plentiful. And presently when that we did be come down from that high place where to be set the rock and the olden ship, we came in among the trees that came very nigh to the shore for a great way, and oft as we did go there were clumpings of small fire-hills that did cast fire and noise, and oft the roaring of monstrous springs a boil, and then again the smell of the woods about us, and oft still in odd places the low near sound of a little fire-hill that did burn lonesome in some clear space of the woods in this place and that. And afterward, we to be gone onward again into the dull low mutter that did be in all the air of that country, and that did be but a seeming of silence, because that it did be so far and constant. Now about the eighteenth hour I to note that the noise of the great fire-hills grew more loud, and I saw presently over the trees, afar upward in the great night and gloom that did lie above, those two mighty fire-hills that I did feel to make the earth tremble in that part upon mine outward way, and surely I have told something of this before, and you to remember, if that you but think a little moment. Now it may appear strange that I speak this wise of seeing the two hills of fire, as that I had perceived them sudden. But indeed I have been long able to see them both, yet to have had no attention to them because that they did be a great way off, and because they did be but two hills of fire in a country that did be plentiful with such. And truly I not to have said aught about them, only that our path did take us now by their feet, and I to see them as it were newly, and to have nice ease of heart to perceive how that they did be a wonder unto the spirit and the brain for all time for it did be as that the earth had a constant shaking within miles of them, and that a monstrous force of nature did be in that place, but yet there to be no desolation around as you should think, but in all parts a wondrous growing of trees and great plants in abundance. And the trees to grow upward upon the shoulders of the mountain, and there to be no falling of hot rocks and ash as you to think, but all very sweet and wholesome as that the mighty valley made a chimney to the mountain, and mayhap to others, so that their waste, if that they had such, did go free. But indeed you shall take no heed of this explaining, save as an odd thinking that hath come to me, and to be without foundation, and there to be no surety of the reason to this, only that there did be no falling of ash in that part as I do know. Yet in other parts of that country, the fire-hills did make new mountains of the matter that did come from them, but this not to be always so, and there to seem to my knowledge no cause to order why this did not be constant, save that my guessings to be right or not to be blown from some. But indeed I to be sure only of that which did be plain to mine eyes, and mayhap there to be no mystery in the thing but a score of natural explainings if that I did know or had patience to think long enough upon such. Now when that the eighteenth hour did be proper come, we to be anigh to the great hills, and there to seem nowise any danger of falling fire, so that I sought about for a place for our slumber. And I found a cave in the side of a big rock, and the cave was dry and comfortable, and had the mouth about a score feet above the earth. And when that I had climbed and looked well into the cave, I gave the maid an help, and had her safe into that place, and she then to prepare the tablets and the water, the while that I brought up a boulder from below to set very light balanced in the mouth of the cave. And this I meant for a signal to fall, if that any creature should climb upward into the cave while that we did sleep. And surely you to know this plan, for I did it before, as you to have learned. And the maid sat near to me, and eat her tablets very quiet and with a demure naughtiness, but yet to be also in wonder, and to gaze outward at the great fire-hills, and to be in awe as I did know. And I put my half-anger and my play from me, and told her of mine outward journeying, and how I did go by these same mighty fire-hills that did seem as mighty torches to light me in my search, and to have held a new strangeness and wonder over my path and she still to be silent but yet to look at me twice or thrice with a very dear and loving way, though she did hide her eyes in a moment when that she saw that I perceived her. And soon the maid spread the cloak for our sleep, and while that she did this I looked well about for any creature that might be an eye, and I had an especial thought unto the humped men, but indeed there was naught living unto my sight and nowhere did I see anything to put me in fear for our lives. And truly I had a great viewing from that place, for we did be in an upward rock that stood in a high part, and gave the cave to be twenty good feet aloft, as I have told, so that all made to set us in a lofty place. And the cave to look toward the two mountains that did rise upward no more than twelve good miles off from us, as I do think and the country between to be somewise as a mighty park, for it was spread much about the feet of the great fire-hills, and did be bare in this place and that, as that rock did make the earth naked there, or the falling of some later fire to have wrought thus. And between the bare parts there went strange and romantic woods seen mistily, and in parts the gleaming of waters, as that hot lakes did be half shown among the broken forests, and presently the land did go upward with a monstrous sweep, and was then in great terraces in the height, and the trees to grow very plentiful upon the mountains in sundry parts, and so those two mighty hills to go upward to meet the everlasting night, and presently to show strange uplands that did be seen very wondrous and queer in the light that did glow from the vast glowing of the fire that did be a crown upon the hills, that did seem in verity to be that they burned halfway between that known world and the lost olden world, that was mayhap two hundred great miles above in the everlasting night and eternity of darkness. And I looked upward for a while and was much held by the mighty uplands that did be on high, yet did lie utter far below the burning crests of the mountains, and showed vague and somber and dreadful-seeming because that they did be so lost upward, and to have the mystery of the red shining and of the shadows upon them, and to seem to slope far under the great fires, but yet to be a place where no life should ever come, because that they did be so monstrous a way upward beyond the great shoulders of the hills, the which did be themselves a huge way up. And truly I should give you somewhat of the affecting of those grim and unknown uplands, if that I said they did seem to my fancy to be a place where a sorrowful thing might wander lost for ever. But why to think this thing, how shall I say, and do tell it to you only because that it doth seem to hold in the thought the grimness and utter desolation of those high and lonesome lands? And by this thing I was done looking, and turned me about, and so did find that mine own did stand silent and waited that I come to my slumber. And surely I looked at her, but she did have her lids something downward when that she saw me turn, and so in the end I said naught, but went to my sleep and had the discos very handy as ever beside me. And I then to know that mine nine did lie down beside me to my back as alway, and this to gladden me as you shall think, for I perceived afresh how thin did be the crust of her naughtiness, and I to be always stirred and touched in the heart by her loving naturalness, that did need always that she be near to me save when she did play this naughtiness upon me along the way. And I saw that she had no mind to be perverse whilst that I did slumber, but must now be nigh unto me and quietly loving, though nowise truly ceased from her naughty acting that I'd be as an hard slave-master, because that I had whipped her yet she to have somewhat a truce with me as my heart did know, but indeed she not to kiss me good-night upon the mouth in her dear usual and sober fashion. And surely I did lie awhile and pondered upon the maid and upon all her ways, and I perceived that she kissed me not only because that she did not be able to break utter from her perverseness that did come from the stirring of her nature. And truly I did love her, and was half-minded that I turn about to her, and take her a moment into mine arms, but yet to abide from this, because that I was set that I wait a while and to bring her to me thiswise mayhaps. And presently I knew that the maid kissed mine armor very quiet and shy, because that she must kiss me, yet to be intent that I have no knowledge of this pretty act. But indeed I did know in all my being, and did be newly tender unto her, yet to say naught and to wait. And thus I knew presently that her breathing did go easy, so that I perceived that she was all content and gone over unto slumber, somewise as a little child that doth be weary and doth sleep without care and with happy assurance. And in verity did a man ever to have so sweet and gentle a maid! that did be in the same time so troublous and perverse. And I to lie yet awhile, and to note the constant tremble and shake of the rock that did be under us, and this to be alway thus as I did lie, and to be the more plain, because that I did be quiet in thought. And this, as I conceived, did come from the earth-shaking that was made by the inward fire of the world, the which did make a vague trouble in all that part of the land and then in a little I was gone over into sleep, and waked not for seven good hours. And then to hear the fizzing of the water, very brisk and cheerful, and so to have mine eyes open in a moment, and to know by my timekeeper or dial, that was somewhat like to a watch of this age, that I had slumbered through seven good hours, and this to be learned after that I looked to see whether mine own did be well, and whether that the boulder did balance in the mouth part of the cave and surely there did be nothing in harm, for the boulder was there as I did put it, and the maid a little off from me and did make ready the water and the tablets that we eat before our journeying. And I rose then and in the same moment I did know that my mouth had been kissed whilst that I slept, and the knowing to come to me vague as that I had been kissed in my dreams. And I looked over toward the maid, but she to have her lids something down upon her eyes, and to seem very demure, so that I saw her naughtiness was come again upon her. Yet truly I could not bear that I not to have her into mine arms, for indeed her perverseness did seem as that she did the more tempt me unto her, and thus I came to her in a moment, but she neither to resist me nor to give herself unto me, but only to be still in mine arms and to do no more than submit very quiet and because of this I loosed her unkissed, and was silent and a little to be angered, even whilst that my heart perceived the way of the working of her heart. Yet truly I ached now that she came back to her dear natural fashion. And I eat my tablets and drank some of the water and the maid to do likewise. And afterward I looked well from the mouth of the cave, but did nowhere see aught to put me in trouble for our safety, Though truly, as presently I saw, there went and heard of strange creatures afar off in the northwestern part, which did be that way of the country beyond the feet of the mountains toward the inland. Now, when that I was something assured of the safeness of our way, I got the discos to my hip and the maid to have the scrip and the pouch ready to my back and her bundle to her hand, and so all to be ready, and I went downward from the cave when that I was girt and gave aid to mine own, and so to be soon upon the journey. And surely as we went onward, and I to look about me with different seeking eyes from my looking on mine outward way, I to see how wondrous this part of the land did be, and how that it did be truly like a great and wondrous park, that did be made of the skill and labor of godlike things, and truly this to show my feeling as I looked always and all that part did be bred of the inward forces of the world, and did be burned clear in this place and upheaved in that, and made to an hot lake in another part, and odd whiles there to go a great steam-fountain that did whistle a lonely song for ever. And anon there to be a small wood and again a wood, and oft the quietness of great and strange trees that did stand alone and here and in that part a little fire-hill, that did be surely no greater than an house, and we to pass seven of these in but three hours, and two to glow very steadfast, and to make no vigor of burning, but the five others did burn very strong, and sent out a smoke and ash, and made a small desolation all about them, and of these five, there did be one that cast stones oft and again, so that they went upward with a strange loud noise, and fell in this place and that, all about so that we came downward more nigh to the shore that we be a good way off. And here, as I do mind, there was a strangeness, in that there did be many trees that had stones set in the branches, and this to be plainly the work of the little fire-hill and I to think it but something new come, else surely there had been no trees within all that space that it did throw. But yet, mayhap, I am wrong in this, for all things did seem that they grew very easy in that country, and indeed this to be for surprise to me only that I saw it with mine own eyes, as we do say. And alway, as we did go, there were signs of inward life and forces, so that we but to stand quiet to feel that the earth did tremble gently in many parts. And presently there sounded for a great while a low and dull booming sound, and this we found to be from a place amid certain great rocks toward the mountains. For there came thence a mighty upspouting of boiling water that went so high as an hundred feet, and oft to be thrice so high, and belch a great steam, and there went up in the jet of the water a great rock that was so big as an house, and to dance and play in the might of the water, as that it had been no more than a thing very light and easy, and when that the water fell, as it did oft, the rock to go downward with the dull booming that we did hear. And I minded how that I had heard the booming upon mine outward way, but had been then something more to the shore, so that it had been less plain to mine ears, as you shall suppose. Neither had it been then to my sight as now it did be to us, because that we were come mayhap the half of a mile more toward the inland of the country. And truly we looked awhile at this huge great fountain and up boiling, and came nearer unto it, but yet to be a large space off because of the way that it did throw out a spattering of small stones odd whiles. And surely the thing did cough and roar in the deep earth, and anon to gruntle gently and to sob and gurgle, and, lo, to come forth in a moment with a bellow very hollow and strange, and the great rock to go spinning upward, and all a-shine in the light from the volcanoes, and was so round as a monstrous ball, and polished by the fret of the waters, so that I saw it had surely danced in the great jet through a weary time and anon the jet to cease and to go downward with a great softing and thundering of waters, and the dancing rock to fall downward from that height which did show very huge, now that we did become so near, and the rock surely to fall backward into some deep pit whence came the waters, and as it fell there was again the dull booming. But why the rock break not I could not perceive save that it did always fall into a boiling up of waters and had no hurt from the rock of the place whence it was come. And the maid and I both to have stood awhile that we stare at this thing, for it did be more strange than I have made you to know, but now I did make to our journey again and did think the maid followed. But lo in a moment when that I looked she was to my back and went toward the great boiling fountain. Then I stopped very swift and called to her, but she did take no heed of me and went onward very naughty, unto the danger of the great boil of the jet, and the constant flying out of the stones that you do know. Now even as I stood and looked the maid drew nigh to the place where the water did thunder, and the jet in that moment to bellow, so that I knew it came upward again. And I ran then after the maid and she to see me, and began likewise to run from me toward the monstrous fountain, and surely I did think that I had done well if that I had whipped her or beat her proper before this time. For truly it did be as that her naughtiness had gone nigh unto somewhat that did be near to a wayward madness, so that as I did perceive all her nature did surely work in her toward some deed that should be for regret and this to come because that she did be something pushed from her dear balance by her loving, and by the act of my manhood upon her, so that her nature both to be in rebellion against me and to need me, and all in the same time. And this way she to be in an inward turmoil, and to be ready foolishly that she put in danger her beloved life, if only thereby she to make me something adrift, and in the same moment to have some ease of her perverseness and in verity you to know all this, because that I have shown the working of her heart to you before this time. Now I caught the maid among the great rocks which did stand all about, and before her there did be a monstrous pit whence came the upbursting of the water, and the water to go upward before our faces in a mighty column, so that it did be as that a sea shot up on end, into a pillar of living water, and went upward for ever as it did seem in that moment and how we should be saved I knew not, for the water did be as that it overhung us, and should come down upon us and smother us in one moment for ever. And the roar was in our ears and shook all the air of that place with sound, as of an harsh and dreadful thunder, and there was a scalding of beaten water, as fine as an haze, all about us. And I had the maid in one instant into mine arms, and I ran very swift, with a fierce running, that I have her away speedy, and so made forlorn trial that I save her life. And lo, as I went from under that huge and dreadful overhang of the great waters there came downward from the height a great stone that had been cast by the jet, and it burst upon the rock to my back, and a certain of the flinders did strike and ring upon mine armor, and made me to stagger as I ran. But I held the maid crowded safe against my breast, and she did not be hurt, and truly I was yet able to run, and did save mine own, and brought her out from under that grim spouting. And I put the maid down then to her feet, and she not to know how near that she had given us to death, neither of the way that the fragments did strike me, for she laughed very naughty and gleeful, and truly I laughed not, for my heart had been nigh hushed with terror for her so that I did be yet sick in my spirit and mayhap also something shaken by the blows that I gat from the broken stone. And in verity I to have meant that I flog her very sharp, if that there be no other way that I might bring her to reason. For in surety, as you to see, she to be acting so wild as a child, and so unreasoning as only a maid in love, and I to know that she did have to be brought back from this way of spirit, even though I have to hurt her pretty body, that I bring her again to her dear natural wiseness. Yet indeed I could not whip her then, because that she did laugh so joyous, though with a naughty heart, and did look so wondrous dainty, so that even her defyings did but seem that which my heart desired and you mayhap to have been something likewise in the love days. Yet I pled and reasoned with her to be a wise maid, but indeed she only to make a gleeful mock of all that I did say. End of chapter 13, part 3